0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today, I interviewed Rivka Breuer, who is a registered dietitian as well as a certified diabetes educator. I felt like I had to have Rifka on because there's so much confusion out there. So many people calling me, but I have to lose weight. I have diabetes, but I have to lose weight. I have high blood pressure, but I have to lose weight because I have X condition or Y condition, or it's just not healthy for me. And I guess you could just see anecdotally, besides for what's in the research, but we see that this isn't working. Fearing people, shaming people, it doesn't work, it doesn't help, it doesn't motivate. And besides for that, we know that dieting does not lead to long-term weight loss, so Instead of focusing on the weight, we can focus on the behaviors. We can focus on the nutrition education in a neutral way and not in a shaming way and not in an extreme way. I think Rivka has a really unique approach to this and she's very wholesome and she is very, very extremely knowledgeable. I send a lot of my clients to her if they specifically have a diabetes diagnosis and she has taught me a lot and she continues to help me and we help each other and We are all in this together. We all want our clients to succeed and feel good about themselves and feel good about their nutrition and food choices. So sit back, relax, enjoy. We had a really great organic conversation. And I think that if you are struggling with diabetes or you know somebody who's struggling with diabetes, this could be a really powerful podcast episode, as well as somebody who is just struggling in general to feel like how am I supposed to be quote unquote healthy if I don't lose weight. So listen up and enjoy. And please go to my website, www.gillaglassberg.com to see more episodes like this, hear more episodes like this, or I usually have the episode transcribed as well. I also blog there. So if you want to read about some of, you know, my life experiences, some of my clients' life experiences. I do a lot of blogging. I blog for Project Proactive as well, and I also have been writing for the Well Springs Magazine. And if you are interested in making peace with food through the principles of intuitive eating, health at every size, and self-care, go to my website, www.heelaglasberg.com, and sign up for a free 20-minute consultation where we could get to know each other and see if we're a good fit. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Okay, hi everybody! Thank you for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, and today I have Rivka Breuer. Hi, Rivka. Hi,
1: Gila. How are How you, you doing?
0: Good. I'm doing good. Thanks so much for coming on. I really wanted to have you because you are an expert in diabetes. Bum, an bum. expert.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so tell the listeners who you are, what you do, where do you live?
1: Sure. Um, so my name is Rifka Breuer and I've been a dietitian for 20 years now. And um, I'm also a certified diabetic educator, which means I have a cer- a special certification specifically for uh to help people with management of diabetes, type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes, although I have to say the majority of the clients that I see um have type 2 diabetes. Um just because it's kind of like my bread and butter, um, you know, I feel like with type two diabetes and pre diabetes, which is that step that you try to get people to um, adapt lifestyle changes before it might uh, develop into diabetes. I feel like it, it's a lot more proactive. Um, you know, type one diabetes is an autoimmune disorder. And basically the pancreas has no insulin, has no ability to make insulin. Um, so obviously the management is definitely much more uh, controlled, it's, it's, you know, it's not a one size fits all, but you gotta figure out what you're gonna do in terms of managing the insulin, the, the meals, all that. It's, a, it's much more specific. Whereas type two diabetes and prediabetes, there's still some activity left in the pancreas. It's more of an insulin resistance that pumps, that makes you pump out more insulin. And if you can kind of stop it at that point where you still have cells left in your pancreas to make insulin, you're, you're way ahead of the game and you can prolong, you know, you, a person may not ever have to go on insulin. Uh, you may be able to get them to go on minimal medication. It's all about lifestyle changes. And that's why I really enjoy counseling people more with type two and pre diabetes.
0: Got it. So cool. So where, so where do you live?
1: So I live in uh, the five towns, New York. I'm sure a few people have heard of it. <laughs> I live in Hewlett, which is one of the lesser known uh, towns, but cute little town. Um, I'm actually originally from Chicago, uh, hence my accent. Some I could hear know, it. Yeah, I hear it in your accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago, not, not University of Chicago, <laughs> not the Ivy League school, and I actually went um there was a special coordinated program. So I didn't have to do a, a separate dietetic internship. It was combined with my last two years of college and nutrition.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I, I remember you telling me that when we met and I was like, oh gosh, I wish because the internship <laughs> is like grueling.
1: So I've heard, even just to get in. It's
0: yeah, crazy. that was fun. Those were good times. Um. So, so, and you have a private practice in yes. ULIT?
1: I have a private practice. Actually, I'm all virtual right now. um, And I'm probably, hopefully after the end of the pandemic, (laughs) as we get out of the pandemic, I'm gonna be uh, going to a new office in Cedarhurst, which is also in the five towns. Um, But I do think that one good thing that has come out of this quarantine has been the fact that I have really kind of allowed myself to sit into virtual sessions more. I didn't used to do virtual sessions. I was a little bit afraid. How am I gonna to connect to the person? How mm-hmm. are they gonna work? Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that virtual sessions can be just as effective when it comes to nutrition counseling.
0: Yeah, I, I actually love, yes. One of the good things about Corona is that my practice also moved to virtual and I am loving every second of it. And it's great. I mean there is, I've asked this to clients, I'm like, wow, I feel like in some, on some level, they're a little more vulnerable, because they're in their own, you know, house, or whatever, wherever they are, they're in their own space, so, like, they're, like, their guards a little more down, I feel like I'm connecting to them a little more on some level.
1: Yeah, they're in, the, that, that, that's a great point, they're, um, then they're, they're in their own comfort zone, so they feel that, like, they can open up to you a little bit more, they don't have that, oh, I'm going to, the clinician's office, although right. I try not to make people nervous about that. Um, but yeah, so I'm doing that, but um, I love private practice. I also work in a nursing home on this side, and I work in a doctor's office a couple hours every other week, uh, which kind of keeps my skills up, my clinical skills up, because I see a lot of people who have diabetes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about how you got here. So you've been an RD or a dietitian for 20 years. Right, an RD. So an RD, right? <laughs> yes.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what what made you interested in becoming an RD?
1: Um, I was always interested. I've always loved food. I mean, <laughs> you grow up as an Orthodox Jewish woman, and 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 you know, food is a big part of our lives. All the holidays, celebrations. I've always loved food. Um, you know, I was definitely that that heavy, slightly heavy kid, teenager who would learned how to lose weight, maybe not in the most healthy way. I think it was like the Snackwell's bagel diet when I was a junior in high school. We ate no fat, just carbs. Right, It was fun. Um, and um, I also went to Israel for a gap year afterwards and gained 30 pounds because, hey, it's Israel. There's all these it's, it's just fun. Um and then took it off. And but I was hold on, let me interrupt
0: you. Let me interrupt you. Was there like a diet culture in your home? Like, was there or or, were your parents big into like wanted you to lose weight or did they want you to gain weight in seminary? Was there any emphasis on that?
1: Actually, really not. I mean, maybe my father didn't want my mother to make desserts because he felt like maybe he was battling his weight. But the truth is, I didn't feel that pressure. It was more an internal stress. Pressure and pressure in school and stuff. I, I don't I don't I don't I don't think so. My my parents never treated me differently when I was heavier when I was lighter. It was more um, my own kind of inner battle, I guess.
0: Got it. Okay, so seminary, you gained thirty pounds, and then you came back and you went on a diet.
1: Yes, I went on a diet, but I also started exercising. Um, but again, it was more of an on and off thing, and I remember. Uh, I wasn't even I wasn't sure if I wanted to do nutrition and I had a wonderful intro to nutrition course in college and it just kind of turned me on to it. I was like, wow, this is great. I've always loved, uh, biology sciences and physiology that that was amazing. Like, oh, wow. So what you put in your body actually makes a difference. You know, it, it, It's not, it's not just, you know, science in a lab, you Mm -hmm. are your, I always tell people, especially people with diabetes, you are your own science experiment. And that's why the care has to be individualized to the person. It's not a matter of people ask me, oh, just give me a diet. How many carbs, how many starches? I'm like, It really depends on the person. It also depends where you're coming from. I'm not going to tell a person who's been eating a certain way for many years and has specific habits in place. Okay, you're going to totally get rid of fast food. I don't want you eating any bagels anymore. It's very important to work from the place that the person is coming from.
0: Definitely. 100%. I remember my professor saying uh, when I was in my master's, she was also really good. she she really made me like yeah this is an awesome field um I remember her saying like we were talking about soda versus diet soda so she was like you know obviously there's pros or cons or whatever to both um so she was like talking about the aspartame talking about whatever but she was like if you could get a diabetic to go from regular soda to diet soda then yes you've done them a good service because now they're no longer having that heavy carb load right and I remember thinking like also had another professor that said, this is really interesting. I love the science of nutrition. I remember her teaching us about like fortified cereals, right? So for those who don't, people who don't know, if you look on your cereal boxes, you'll see like, oh, there's a lot of extra vitamins and minerals added in. That's called fortifying the cereals. And the reason why we do that is because, because we have so much white flour, we have to add back in the nutrients or whatever is refined, we're adding them back in. So whoever was in charge of that, the, the, um, I don't know who it was actually i forget is it the is it the um, fda or whatever who's ever in charge of that
1: probably the usda
0: the probably. usda right thought that that was a really good idea so i remember raising my hand and asking my professor then why don't we just fortify everything like why like why can't we fortify it with everything because actually it's not fortified with everything let's say um i think i think not everything is fortified with um maybe folate or vitamin B12 because that is like dangerous for the elderly population to have higher doses of it or something like that. Um I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember and I remember her saying, because we still want to promote food first. We still want to promote and she's like, it depends on the individual client. Like if you're gonna you're you're gonna present these things to your clients and you're gonna say you could have a bowl of fortified cereal which might even have more nutrients than um, let's say oatmeal that's not fortified, but you're gonna make the decision like if you wanna have it naturally or not. And these are the benefits. And I was like, that's so empowering. And like, so she was an awesome professor but not every professor taught that way. Most professors were much more uh, the obesity epidemic and everyone's gonna die and (sighs) your next bite is gonna kill you, you know? So I really appreciate your approach to diabetes. And I think it's very empowering for the clients.
1: Oh, thank you. Yes. It's funny. You mentioned the elderly and I'm thinking about something I remember learning in school. I had somebody very much by the book and they were talking about the benefits of, they were discussing uh, nutritional supplements for the elderly, I guess, especially in long-term care, or they were talking about, you know, Ensure and Boost. And they were saying, why don't they just go eat an apple? And, and then I'm thinking to myself, do you know how simplified that sounds? First of all, they might not have teeth to be able to eat the apple. Right. They might not be able to digest it so well. They, and, and, and we're talking about the elderly who are so, they're such a risky population. They're at risk for muscle wasting and malnutrition. Um, We treat them differently than we treat, let's say, a 40 year old when it comes to nutrition. Yes, I probably would say, you know, maybe let's let's what do you think about going more towards whole foods versus supplement type foods and bars. But with the elderly, especially, you know, as you're in a nursing home or a long term care setting and the activity level, may be less, you want to get those calories and protein. in, and that, if that's the supplement way, then that's the best way. Right. Um, and I'm, and, and the thing is, I'm all about trying to, you know, eat more of a natural, I don't like the word whole foods. It just reminds me of whole foods, the grocery store or real foods, because all food is real. Right. But But again, we use a different approach for different, that's why I said individualization. We use a different approach for different populations. Some people may not have as good access to fruits and vegetables. Obviously you wanna help them find a way, but you work with what you've got. So it's it's very, it, it was just like a weird comment, like just go eat an apple.
0: Right. Yeah. I, when I was also in my master's in Lehman, um, they had like different speakers come. It was really cool. And I remember an RD coming and she worked for Abbott nutrition, Mm -hmm. right? So they have the nutrition supplements. And she was saying that, you know, Ensure and all these things boost, whatever, they get like such a bad rep because they're processed. They're so processed or she was like, think about babies. Like if we didn't have formula, like the babies wouldn't have food. Like there is so much demonizing of food. And I, and I was just having this conversation with a friend who was like, Oh, the GMOs are so horrible for you. I'm like, we wouldn't have our food, like, like conglomerates, like without the GMOs, like everybody is so into like food bashing. Like you, they don't even know what they're talking about. You have to see the Jimmy Fallon, um, Jimmy Fallon's interviewing people on the street, asking, "Did you see it? Do you eat?" Gluten? No, no, but I oh. love Jimmy Fallon. He's asking, "I know it's not Jimmy Fallon; it's someone else." I'm gonna, I'm gonna put okay. it in the show notes. He's okay. asking everyone, um, "Do you, do you eat gluten?" Oh no, no, on the street, no, no, of course not, of course not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know it's so bad for you. Oh my gosh! And then he's like, "Do you know what gluten is?" Ah, uh, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like <laughs> encapsulates our world. Like mm-hmm. GMOs are horrible for you. I only eat organic. You guys don't even know what you're saying." Like. We you have to learn, I mean, I guess this is our job as a dietitians to, to educate why GMOs, what we don't, this, the research is so inconclusive and look what the GMOs gave us, our whole food system.
1: Yeah. Access to, you know, access to fresh food, it, 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 ha- fresh and safe food. People don't understand Um, you know, when it comes to organic, I I listen, if somebody chooses that as a lifestyle, I'm not going to say it's bad for you. You want, you want to do it fine. You feel like it's healthier for you. I'm I'm not going to say no, but I'm also not going to say that you must eat organic because it's so cost prohibitive and not necessarily proven to be healthier. It's just, it's, It's much more accessible to, again, that, that typical apple. I feel like as dieticians, we always have a logo of an apple. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Follow us. Um, But even just the apple, you know, just wash it and eat it. If, if that's going to be your barrier, because enough people are not eating apples. So we're going to say, oh, now you must buy organic apples. You, You need to give people better access and break down the barriers that that's, that's our job.
0: Right. Okay. So, so you always love nutrition. You went into it as an undergrad and then Mm -hmm. what, what happened next?
1: Um, so I moved to New York. I married a guy from New York, hence Mm -hmm. moved to New York and, um, I worked in long-term care for a while and truth be told, it was just convenient, easy, uh, as a young wife and mother. Uh, but it didn't scratch the itch for me. It didn't It didn't make me in my happy place. So I think it was when my third child was about three years old. I said, I know he has to go to school. I know I have to do something, but I don't I don't really want to go back to the nursing homes at this point. I get Um, it. I totally get it. You get it. I hated every five (laughs) years of the
0: nursing homes. So yeah.
1: It's interesting though, is I ended up going back. And I'm okay with it now. So, you know, different life transitions, you you never know. Um, But I still have the private practice. And I remember- Wait, 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 wait. How did you start
0: the private practice? I need to hear the whole story.
1: You know, I, I got a tax ID number.
0: Wait, wait, and- <laughs> wait. How did you figure that out? Because this is a whole thing for me. You helped me with it. You know, it. we
1: have, we have an account. I, my husband and I have an accountant because my husband has a private karate business. So I think oh, cool. I just asked the accountant, how do I do this? Um, and then, and by the way, getting an NPI number, national provider identification number is probably one of the easiest things ever. My husband's an occupational therapist. Right. He told me like, you just go online.
0: Okay. Wait, one second. One second. How did you think of the idea to start a private practice? How did that come to be? Like you weren't nervous about starting your own business. Did you have any mental blocks?
1: I think the idea was that my husband was, he was promoting it for me because he said, you know, you, you just, you don't like the nursing homes. He wanted me, you know, I find that our spouses, they're happier when we're happier. And oh, yeah. he, he knew that this was something that I kind of toyed with. Uh, I remember I another really good, uh, professor in the University of Illinois Coordinated Program. I'm gonna give her a shout out. Um, her name is Marla Heller and she has written many books on the DASH diet, the Dietary mm-hmm. Approach to Stop Hypertension, High Blood mm-hmm. Pressure, which mm-hmm. is kind of a little bit of a framework I use as a base for a lot of my recommendations because it involves a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. Right, right. It's, and like
0: the it's similar to the Mediterranean diet.
1: Right, right, exactly. She actually wrote a Dash Mediterranean diet book and she was a private practice dietitian and she was just also very down to earth about it. And I really, really liked her class. And then later on, I got in contact with her again and I bought her books and I loved her approach. Um, So I was saying, you know, I just read her book and I really feel like this is something that could be very useful to people. Um, and once I started my private practice, oh, I also um, I also cred- credentialed with different insurance companies.
0: So how did you know that? <laughs> Wait, I have to just, I have to make a plug here for you. And okay, I had no, like, I literally spent hours and hours and hours researching this and speaking to you. And how did you know how to credential with insurance? And for those who, people who don't know what that means, that means just basically getting a contract with them so that you can accept their insurance and whenever people ask me do you take Fidelis do you take this I have to it's really hard to get in touch with Fidelis to get a contract with them so and also Yes, United Healthcare. I've tried oh yes United Healthcare. Um, I'm locked out for the last three years
1: that is so strange I guess it also depends on when you try to get into the network because like right. I told you one of my friends could not get into Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield I got in thankfully you got in and well you I, got me in I, oh I did yeah <laughs> oh, okay, great. Um, <laughs> that was really oh, hard I, to get into. I know how I did this. Now I remember, I joined, I was a member of the Nutrition Entrepreneurs Group for the yeah. American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics mm-hmm. then. And they had a mentoring program. So they put me in touch with a mentor. That is how I knew what to do for the basics, getting credentialed. There's a credentialing agency called CAQH, which it's like a clearinghouse that holds an online thing that holds all your credentialing information. So even though you have to specifically go to the insurance companies and say, I want to be credentialed with you, they can pull a lot of your information from there. They'll still Mm -hmm. ask you for a lot, but- um, Yeah, it's fun. So it it was so long ago that I, I don't remember, but I do remember all the hiccups in the first I don't know three four years of my practice because some of them were just learning experiences, as we say.
0: Right, and you and you were doing paper, um, what's it called? Paper bills, right? Paper claims.
1: Paper charting. Paper. Uh, no, no, no. I actually started with Office Ally in the beginning. That was a blessing.
0: Okay. Wait. So. But I'm just thinking like, I like, you didn't have any mental blocks. Like, how am I going to start my practice? How am I going to get clients? How am I going to like, you were just like, Oh, I can do this. Like there was no.
1: It, It was scary, but I really enjoyed doing it. I, I really, once I started doing it, I realized that this is what I was meant to do. This was, this is my place, my happy place. Again, uh, Also, because I took insurance, I feel like if you don't take insurance, it's a little bit harder because you have to kind of run after more people for the money. Although I think what you're doing is very smart packages. That is, if you're not going to take insurance, that is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: that's definitely the way to go. But how did you get clients?
1: Oh, good question. I went to various doctors and cold called them. How did you know to do that? You know that it took me forever to figure that out. I don't know. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe it was the nutrition entrepreneurs group that said that they used to also have an amazing list serve, mm-hmm. uh, email list serve. Once they closed that down, I gave up my membership because that was that that was golden. That was like you could ask a question on nutrition there, and somebody would answer you, another professional. Mm-hmm. It was such a great resource. I think that was a big mistake that they closed it down. They said, "Oh, now we'll do it on our website," but it 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 was not, not the same. Not well, the Facebook
0: same. for dietitians mm-hmm. who are listening, Facebook has these really great, which you told me about, private groups like right. dietitians oh, in right. private practice. <laughs> yeah, insurance dietitians. Um, yeah, unconventional RD. I just got really into so. Oh, so that's cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, so you started your private practice. It sounds like you didn't have any mental blocks somehow because. I had many.
1: Um, no, but I definitely I'm not an entrepreneur. So I will be honest with you. That's kind of when why I went back to the nursing homes, because I didn't want it to be my main source of income. Uh, I'm not one of those go getter. I'm gonna promote myself. I basically would love it if like somehow somebody would get my name and just start feeding me clients through the door. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm a mission at heart. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I
0: get it. I happen to really like the entrepreneur side of things. So
1: that's awesome. I think that is such a plus for you.
0: Yeah. Thanks. I really like it. So, um, okay. So you started your private practice and that was how long ago was that?
1: All right. So my son was about three and he's 10 now. So that was about seven years ago.
0: Seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. I think that's when we met actually. Cause you were just starting. Yes,
1: yes, yes. I had a little bit of a preschool job on the side. Again, it was, I I had a supplement because it wasn't really, it was more like a hobby then.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. Do you, do you mind saying how many clients you're averaging now? Or are you rather not? not?
1: Yeah. Well now it's, it's very different because of um, COVID and stuff. I would say about yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty down there at this point. Um, but again, because it's not my primary uh, bread and butter eventually, but, you know, I'm kind of happy that I'm back in the nursing home now after being out for two months. Uh, with You're going to get, your <laughs> practice is
0: going to take off because you have such an important niche, really, really, truly. So why diabetes? When did that, when did that happen that you decided to get an extra certification? Because I know that's actually like, like a grueling, grueling certification?
1: Oh yes, the test. (laughs) Um, It's funny because I actually, during my diabetes internship rotation in college, I really didn't like it so much. And I think the reason again is because it was mostly type ones. And I think type ones, they're rock stars. (laughs) I am not saying anything against them. They are warriors. They are incredible but it just didn't speak to me. A lot of it was calculations, insulin, carbs. It just, I'm not so much of a mathematical person. I like more in intuitive. <laughs> I like kind of feeling my way through things, right. Um, and I think the type 2, there was no such thing as pre-diabetes then either this right. was 20 years ago. So so I think once I saw the um, pre-diabetes kind of come out as a diagnosis. Type 2 diabetes seems to have really, unfortunately, become more prevalent. And I do, I just, I just was always kind of interested and I knew I had a friend who had that certification. I said, I would really like to get that certification. And I feel sometimes like God looks at me and says, you're not going to do it by yourself. So I'm going to give you a little bit of help. And suddenly after being at a wonderful nursing home job that I really loved, I loved the people there. It was a great job. Everything was perfect. I would have never left there. I probably would still be there now. I'm at a different job, which it's, it's probably better for me when I think about it. I, all all the dietitians were suddenly let go. One day they decided to come in and bring a consulting dietitian firm and they let everybody go.
0: By the way I just want to say something about the nursing homes that this happens all the time and
1: Oh oh I was remember why I started my private practice? I actually didn't say this. I was let go from my nursing home and I was eight months pregnant with my last child, mm-hmm. the one who's 10 years old, um, because they nursing they homes. got rid of my job. They eliminated yeah. my position. <laughs> Um, can you imagine somebody who's eight months pregnant? But again, no, God can't. said. No, I I'm
0: so sorry. I, I understand.
1: No, 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 no. I am. I look forward now. Now it's President's Day. Every year, President's Day, I'm like, thank you, because I would have not um, left that job, and it was a full time job. It was the only time I had a full time nursing home job, and it was killing me.
0: It right, was killing me right.
1: from the inside out.
0: Let's let's um, let's really emphasize this because I have a lot of I I counsel some people who are new dietitians. little bit i've done it a little bit and they are so scared there's so much imposter syndrome there's so much we we didn't get any business training and we didn't get any any credentialing insurance whatever we didn't get any tools to start a practice and so we're like all right we'll just work at the nursing home which i did and i hated every single minute of it it sucked the life out of me and yeah like when you're saying like that you know hashem god had a different plan it's like yeah like if you hate your job so much that it's making you miserable please leave it. And then people will, will challenge me and be like, what am I going to do? do. I'm like, you could do anything you could.
1: Sure. Sure. You can, you can teach yourself. And there are people out there like Gila and myself, you can find people on Facebook. You can find these groups. You can, you know, I I suggest you can join the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics. Yeah. I did Um, that. You told me to
0: do that. I did that.
1: Yeah. And you don't have to stay there forever. If you feel like the benefits are not worth the price, but That was incredible what I got out of there. It was just amazing. Um, I will tell you now, again, I know we're talking about the nursing homes. I personally find the nursing home I work at now, I, I work part time after quarantine, I did realize somehow I came to a realization that I am essential and I'm a lot better with it. Doesn't mean that everybody, every dietitian has to look the nursing home in a positive Great. way, but I Great. do feel like since we went through a health crisis, yeah. which yeah. impacted this population
0: yeah,
1: is so vulnerable. Now I feel like when I give it, um, I give a resident a supplement, you know, something like that, a snack and they yeah. don't lose weight. Like, I make a big impact. So Mm -hmm. you could try the nursing home. You know, it's not a bad place to start. You may be okay with it. Some people love it. Some people really do love it. I think I've come to a place of, I I find myself okay there, but if I didn't have a private practice, I would feel a little bit unfulfilled.
0: Yeah. So I know for me, like just that there's very little contact with the residents and the residents aren't asking to speak with you. It's more like protocol. Right. And the technical part of it and the paperwork just it's just not my skill set. I like to be one on one with people who wanna, you know, change. So that's just I don't know. It's important to know your skill sets and know your uh, strengths and know like your ideal client. It's really important for your business and for your life. Really. Oh,
1: that is true because some of the growing pains I went through in the beginning of my private practice was accepting everyone and anyone. Right. And I've and- been there. Yeah. And and I was like, oh boy. And then I was saying to myself, okay, a lot of these people just want to lose weight, but they just want me to do things for them. They don't really know why they want to lose weight. They don't have a why. And I don't necessarily want to just, you know, get people to try and lose weight. I I feel like there has to be a almost a specific reason in terms of quality of life, in terms of um, also the commitment to try and mm-hmm. and, and make, make some, some changes. changes maybe maybe small changes, not large change changes small steps yeah but I stopped I, I I started to weed out that's probably why I don't have so many clients right now regular clients because I don't really want to see people who don't fit into my niche. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want basically the people I want to come through my door are a lot of times, yeah who's your ideal client okay middle-aged probably more a woman but a man's fine too what's the Um, age what age (laughs) i would say about 50 60 years old okay um and all of a sudden the a1c has crept up the doctor what's the a1c oh sorry for the the (laughs)
0: listeners
1: sure sorry (laughs) no problem Um, the hemoglobin a1c is a measure it's a percentage measure of how high your blood sugar level is for the three-month period that you're looking back so it's a great way to show you know you could take a blood sugar level a, a finger stick or you can take a blood sugar level in in the doctor's office but that's only one moment in time mm-hmm. you might have eaten something something might have happened but this gives you a three-month look back so you can really see the trend as to if your blood sugar has been high or not. Uh, so, pre-diabetes is this—it's this area that, again, it's not really considered a clinical. It, it kind of has evolved into a clinical diagnosis, but it doesn't really mean that. Oh, you know, your pancreas is not you know functioning well. It's more that the body is becoming more resistant to insulin, so your pancreas has to start pumping out more to get the same physiological effect. Of lowering your blood sugar after you eat a meal, so right. it's kind of like you're dumping more than you should need, than you need to be, um, and over time, if this continues, I think like for seventy percent of the population, um, I learned that if you do not intervene. Um, and make lifestyle changes, medicine, anything, you do nothing. 70% of people with prediabetes will go on to develop diabetes.
0: So do you want to just explain really simply what diabetes is?
1: Diabetes is when the pancreas cannot keep up. The pancreas secretes insulin after you eat a meal in order so that your blood sugar doesn't go up. It takes the, it takes the glucose, the sugar in your, and allows the cells to use it for energy. Um, and it does store some of it, but so a type one diabetic, which is what we used to call juvenile diabetes. They have absolutely no working, uh, islet cells in their pancreas. They make, once they are diagnosed with type one diabetes, they got nothing. So you have to use, uh, either, uh, an insulin pump or insulin shots. They make none of it. Uh, but a type two diabetic, they have insulin, they have those cells, but for whatever reason, and it is a metabolic Uh, disease, meaning a lot of people feel like it's very shameful to say, oh, I have type two diabetes Mm -hmm. or pre-diabetes because they think it's something that they've done wrong. Yes, lifestyle change, lifestyle, uh, things in somebody's lifestyle can definitely bring it on and there can be improvements. But number one, type two diabetes is very linked to genetics. Can you say it again, say it
0: again for my (laughs) listeners who are feeling badly about themselves right now. Say it again.
1: Genetically linked, meaning if your mom, your grandmother had type 2 diabetes, you are definitely more likely to develop prediabetes and/or diabetes. Number one. Number two, just because you are considered obese in the when I say obese, I mean in the BMI calculation, which should only be used for populations and should be taken with a grain of salt. Um, Just because your BMI is above a certain level, it doesn't necessarily, mean if you don't have the genetics in play, you don't have your genes working that way, you're not going to necessarily develop diabetes. Yes, it may make a person who's genetically inclined, who has certain lifestyle habits and certain things, it may happen more for them, but it doesn't mean, oh, I eat sugar, I'm going to get diabetes doesn't right. work like that it's a lot it's, it's a metabolic disease mm-hmm. yeah
0: I just have so many clients who are pre-diabetic or diabetic or they had gestational diabetes and there's so much shame and there's like there's so much you know inner blame like it's my fault but what was I thinking what did I do and it's it's really painful but I have to say that the I, I'm not I'm not blaming anyone I'm really not I'm not, I'm trying not to um but it's sometimes the their doctors are really reinforcing. Yes, it is your fault. And if you were
1: sometimes, (laughs) sometimes sometimes, I'm being being very kind, you know, how hard it is, as we were talking to find a weight neutral doctor. And when I say weight neutral, I'm not saying go and eat whatever you want, be, you know, be as heavy as you want to be. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm coming from a place of everybody, no matter what size you are, You have the potential to make healthy lifestyle changes and to look at it in the positive is going to help empower you to make better choices for your health. When has shame ever elicited, like in general, let's let's look outside this context, in general, in life. Do you ever remember feeling ashamed of something? You know, as a kid, you did something, somebody made you feel bad. When has that ever happened where you, you felt that way. And you said, okay, I'm ashamed of myself. Now I'm going to do better. It, it doesn't Never.
0: work. It does it's not a motivator at all. It's, it's the opposite.
1: It makes you small.
0: Yeah. It, it
1: makes you feel, it makes you feel weak. What we need to do, especially for women. I mean, men as well, but I'm saying we need to make them feel empowered. We need to make them feel big no pun intended, but I also lift weights and I feel like it's empowered me. I don't care if my muscles are bigger. It's made me healthier, both physically and emotionally. Right. We need to build people up. It sounds like such a cliche, but you know what I'm saying?
0: I get what you're saying. So so you have clients that will come to you with prediabetes or diabetes and Talk to me about like the transformation. Like, do you see their numbers changing and not their weight? Like, how does that work? And how do we how do we educate the public about this? Because it's really the weight is a real thing, like that yeah. people are confused about.
1: Well, what I tell people who come to me with um, high blood sugar, either pre diabetes or diabetes, what I say is first of all, look at the look at the whole picture. Look at the life picture. You have the ability to put the brakes on what's going on physiologically. Like you have, you, you're in the driver's seat. You have all the power to do this. What you first want to focus on is your health. Meaning if you can get that blood sugar level down under seven point. Okay. So we have various markers like diet, pre-diabetes starts at a five level of 5.7. Okay. Okay uh, diabetes starts, I believe at a 6.5, 6.5, something like that. If you can get under that 7% for diabetics, you could save yourself the probability of developing so many of those, those scary complications, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like losing eyesight, you know, vascular, like, uh, you know, um, heart problems, kidney problems.
0: Could I, could I, could I like can I just try to explain diabetes the way that I remember it? The way that I teach sure, that sure, okay sure. And you'll tell me if I'm if I'm saying anything wrong, but they say like the lock and key, right? So um mm-hmm. whenever if you eat um sugar, any type of sugar, or any and any in any form, it converts to glucose, right? And then um the glucose goes into your bloodstream, right? And then the pancreas secretes insulin, and the insulin takes the blood from it takes the glucose from the blood and puts it into the cells that need glucose all cells need glucose right so if right. we if we don't have enough insulin then we have extra circulating glucose and that's what causes the nerve damage right like so we have retinopathy so eye problems um neuropathy in your hands like tingling right and then that's where the kidney that's where the kidneys start losing functionality. That's why we have CKD, chronic kidney disease. Cause I actually did a case study on this when I was in my internship, Oh, cool. it was really interesting. But yeah, I think that's where, I think that's where people get confused though. They think like I can't eat sugar or I can't eat, right? And that's really confusing. Right.
1: It's, it's it's very confusing. That little bit of sugar isn't going to go into your, your microvac, like your little nerves, your, your little blood vessels in your eyes and that's it. You don't have it it takes years of damage. So it's not just that they think, it's not that you can't eat sugar. Right, no, it's not, it's it's all about balance. It's all about your, you know, if you have something, I always say to people, you have something like an apple or even obviously somebody without diabetes, it's gonna be viewed very differently. I'm not gonna say, oh, well you should watch how many apples you eat. But for a person with diabetes, you know, metabolically, they may not be able to process the natural amazing sugar in in, in a fruit as much. So they shouldn't be able to eat. They shouldn't eat so much at one time at one given snack. Because because the body is not going to be able to keep up with that sugar. It's not going to be able to keep up with the amount of insulin that needs to be pumped out to allow the cells to bring it in.
0: Right, right. So this is where I, I, the education part is really important because people think I'm diabetic. I have to cut my carbs. Um, It's really carb controlled. And they changed changed it in the, at least in the nursing home I was working at, it was no longer no concentrated sweets to carb controlled. But I just want, I really want the listeners to hear that if you have diabetes, it doesn't mean you cannot have sugar. And it means that you need to understand the sugar load that's going on in your pancreas. And we also, you know, I love to teach like adding nutrition. So if you're going to have a sugar make sure to have it with something else, a protein, um, a fiber, a fat, right. all all combined is best. And that's going to help the sugar from just going straight into your bloodstream. But I think there is so much shame like, oh, now, or, or just guilt or just deprivation. Now I can't eat sugar. And it's it's just not true. It's
1: just right. not true. It's, it's, it's definitely not true. There, Like you were saying, it's also about consistent. A lot of diets are consistent carbohydrates, meaning I'm not going to have so much sugar at one given meal or snack, um, you know, I'm going to portion it out, you know, I'm not going to have like a giant plate of mashed potatoes. I'll have some mashed potatoes with the rest of my meal.
0: Right, right. Also, um, I interviewed somebody else on, on the podcast. Her name is Rifka Alfie, and she is just a believer in intuitive eating. And she had gestational diabetes with, I think, all of her kids. And I think she was just pregnant with her fourth. And she was saying that, like, you know, she was incorporating gentle nutrition into the, into her lifestyle. And she was saying that, like, even when she would go for a 10 minute walk, that would help her blood sugar. Even when she would, um, I forget what food she said would totally raise her, her sugar levels. I was like, yeah, like people have to know this, that everybody, everybody, and everybody is different and will react to sugar and carbohydrates, uh, carbohydrates, sugar, whatever, however they, whatever, even simple or processed or not, it all converts to glucose, right? And everybody is going to react to it differently. And some people, the protein is really going to help. And some people, the exercise is really going to help. But if you're not sweating, it doesn't mean it's not helping. So
1: even 10 minutes, you know, so people just have to, they really need this education. They need the education and they need to know I'm not a person of extremes. I'm a much more of a moderate. And moderates don't generally get obviously as you see extremes get all the news stories these yeah. days. They get all the 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 bells and whistles, all the glory. It's not about extremes. It's about taking, you know, certain moments in your life and, you know, making some decisions. And weighing out the pros and cons doesn't mean that sugar is, you know, a, a candy bar. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean you're bad if you eat it. But if you have a certain metabolic condition like diabetes, is this going to help me? Is this going to get to where I can I have a little bit? Am Wait. I the type of person that can have a little bit? Um, you know, can I have it as at the end of a meal, like dessert? if I, if I monitor my blood sugar level, what happens mm-hmm. afterwards? How do I feel? Do I go high and then crash down low? Uh, because low blood sugar can also be a, an issue with people with diabetes. Right. People don't realize that, um, it can be dangerous, uh, more with type one diabetics, but type two as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it it's not, there's no hard and fast rules about it. Mm-hmm. and that's why I like saying there's no rules, you know, you gotta see and even like your friend, you were saying she probably monitored because when you have gestational diabetes, you have to monitor your sugar a lot because you know it, it there's the big stakes. The stakes are high in terms right. of you want to have a healthy baby. And the thing is, I find that, Uh, women with gestational diabetes are extremely motivated because, you know, it's not just their lives. Mm -hmm. It's the lives of their unborn children. They're extremely motivated. They're willing to do what they need to do. But also I've seen people with gestational diabetes who are, they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't. Oh my gosh. My blood sugar went up a little bit. And I'm like, you need to be calm because guess what? Again, we have markers. If your A1C, remember the le- the level of blood sugar, you know, the level of your blood sugar within three months. If your A1C is with this when a, within a certain range and your blood sugar is within a certain range, yes, there's perfect, but you don't need perfect because it's an all over. You know, every when you when you don't eat when you eat something one day and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. It's all about the day, the week, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's okay to make a choice that may not be as optimal for your health, but go move on. Don't starve yourself for the rest of the day and just eat lettuce, you know, Mm -hmm. eat a nice dinner.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it won't, it won't help you anyways, because when you restrict, then you tend to binge and feel deprived and feel horrible about yourself and feel moody and all the wonderful things that come with deprivation.
1: Sure. And it's not going to help get you in the right direction. If you say, you know, okay, but I like that 10 minute walk thing because it's not just the food. Right. It's the, just a 10 minute walk after yeah. meals can right. help the blood sugar, especially with somebody with diabetes really go back into a good range. And, right. and it's not like you have to go on your elliptical for 30 minutes. Right. I right. love walking.
0: Yeah. I think that people really need to know this because even with just like general nutrition and intu- when I teach intuitive eating, I tell them, can you walk for five minutes? No. I, they're so stuck in diet culture that they're like five minutes. I won't sweat. I won't burn calories. I'm like, exactly. And then you won't do it at all. Five minutes is better than zero minutes. Okay. So it's the same thing here. Like when we're teaching people about their health and their, it, it's just really sad because the, it's really the diet culture that, that inevitably holds people back. Cause they're like, well, I'm not sweating anyways. I'm not losing calories. So what's the point? And you're what we're seeing. And and I see it all the time is that, first of all, five minutes of walking is so it's really taking the time for yourself. It's the exercise. Mm -hmm. It's mentally good for you being outside, whatever it is. And people are very, you know, diet culture is very black and white. And that's why when you are counseling someone, you know, with diabetes or not, you really, there's so many variables to keep in mind that you cannot, that's just a diet doesn't work for so many reasons, but that's just one of them. It's not it's not a one size fits all. You have to keep in mind every single part of that person's life.
1: Definitely not. And that's why I can't just print out a diet. You want a diet? You go print out a diet from the right. internet. There's plenty right. of them. And, and and it's not about that. It's about what are you gonna be able to do to make a positive impact in your food and movement habits? Also sleep. Sleep is a right. huge component of, right. of, of, of your health.
0: Mm -hmm. and probably stress like you probably like my that affects your that affects your sugar level also
1: it's interesting that you mentioned that because at my doctor's office job i've had a few people come in yeah have gained weight since quarantine my a1c level went up and i said you know welcome welcome to the crowd this is this is happening this is happening but guess what it's okay like Mm -hmm. this is a pandemic you know, it's not like one of my. You know, blame is not going to work. Mm. I what what scares me the most is when I see public health officials talking about obesity. It is such a risk factor for when somebody develops COVID to have serious uh, symptoms, and 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 I think they're kind of looking at it the wrong way. Um, Because if we can incorporate lifestyle changes, that's why, don't get me started, the whole gyms closing and being shuttered, I think has probably been one of the worst moves in New York State. I, I don't really understand. The data is not there to support that gyms when people wear masks and social distance that there's COVID. It's just, you know, being transferred and that just aggravates me because going to a gym if a person goes to a gym mentally and physically you can really help support your immune system mm-hmm. if god mm-hmm. forbid you do get sick right. um but also people have been home so you're going to tell people you need to lose weight you need you know or, or or if you get covid it's terrible for you again where did shame when did shame become this tool for change I, Has it, has me, has it helped these people? Never, never. We we should be telling people, listen, you can be active. You can go out, you can walk. You know, if your gym is open, go join. I'm sure they want you to join like crazy.
0: Yeah, my poor Um, gym, Club Central is like really, if anyone hears this, join Club Central because it's so many people. They're they're
1: suffering and and they, and they want, and it's very safe there. Mm And, but, but again, I feel like we should be giving them the tools to empower. Okay. You're nervous about this, you know, instead of fear tactics say, okay, what can we do? What, what can you do? You know, what do you think, you know, when I ask people about their eating habits daily and, and movement habits, what do you think, which, which meal do you want to start with or snack? Which, what mm-hmm. do you think would be the easiest one for you to try and affect change with to right. change a habit? Right.
0: That's amazing. I love that. And I, I do that. Like if you see on my Instagram ever, like I talk a lot about like baby steps. So like,
1: Oh yes.
0: Yeah. Pick, yes. Uh, picking the hunger fullness scale, picking the five minute walk. Yes, yes. And, and psychologically, like we, we do know that like trauma affects your weight, either gaining weight or losing weight. And we, and there's all different ways that your body holds on to trauma. So like, you know, uh, back pain, headaches, weight gain, weight loss. So like enough of all this it's hundred percent my fault that I am a certain way enough of it. Like, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, there's just so much, like, I don't know why people subscribe to it. Cause it's so shaming, shaming and not motivating and it doesn't help. And look at 90% of diets don't work anyway. So like, I don't know why this has even become, I, I, whenever people talk about it, I'm like, how is this still a thing? Like, how is this diet culture still a thing? It's just Crazy.
1: because it sells it, Even sells, if it right. doesn't work it just sells it's, yeah. it's glamorous it's exciting it's glamorous. It's, ex- it's selling the alluring like if you lose weight you'll have this and that yeah it's selling something to people that they desperately want and right. think that they can obtain um i will i will say one thing yes the, the pandemic and everything that is been you know obviously a huge trauma for people but the thing about empowering is that like, we can tell these people, okay, you can move on. Yes, as long as you do own your behavior, you 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 can look at yourself in a positive way. You don't have to say, oh, it's everybody else's fault. It's, it's right. the pandemic's fault. Right. But we, when we take away the shame, it actually makes it easier for people to own, you know, their own responsibility and how they can change things. They can say, okay, I've been doing this. I want to make a change. And I'll say, okay, well, let's talk about what's been going on and let's see where we can start first. You know, what, because change is so hard. Habits. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Habits. Can you,
0: can you um, share like, uh, like we're going to end soon. Can you share like a success story if you're comfortable or you think like a client would be okay with that? Like a non-weight victory of a client.
1: Um. Well, I mean- what, what's interesting is that I feel like I, I recently had a middle-aged client or actually more, I don't, know, I don't know if she was senior or not, but definitely went through menopause. And women who have gone through menopause, they have it 10 times harder metabolically in terms of if they have prediabetes or diabetes. Um, she didn't really lose any weight, but her A1C went below the prediabetes level. She went from the middle of the prediabetic level to underneath. And I I, I told her, I told her, I said, listen, I I know you want to lose weight. I, I get it. I get it. But understand that, you know, you just saved yourself the risk of getting diabetes. You know, as long as you continue with these lifestyle changes, you know, you're going to, hopefully you're going to lead a a happy, healthy life. You know, if you want to work on it with baby steps, if you want to try various things here and there, you know, you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons. People ask me, is there a specific weight I should be at? You know, even when we're talking about affecting health changes for things such as diabetes. And I say, listen, the weight may come down as you as you put in certain changes in your uh, diet. I don't mean diet, but you know what I'm saying? What you're, eating what you're eating and, yeah. and, and and how you're moving. Um, the weight may go down, but it may not but you have to understand, look at the big picture here, what we're doing. We're, we're trying to get you like looking forward. You don't have complications. You don't have, you know, a million doctor's visits. You can enjoy your life. It's the quality of life that I'm trying for people to see. Right. It's not about the, obviously, again, a person can try various things here and there. Yes, yes, no, no. But we're talking about quality of life here, because unfortunately, you know, when a person has certain, like I said, when a person has certain genetics, the deck is stacked against them. You do have to kind of put in some lifestyle changes. So yeah, her A1C went way below the pre-diabetic level.
0: That's awesome. Um, i i think i want to end because if this goes longer than an hour i can't put it on instagram so (laughs) i got it so you're gonna have to come back because i want to talk a little bit about medications and um and maybe i'll just whatever recorded in the beginning of the podcast but let's let everybody know where we can find you
1: sure (laughs) so i am social media uh not so savvy but um I am on Facebook. Again, maybe I should be a little bit more active with that. Um, I have a business page, which is my name. So it's Rifka Breuer RDN, CDN, CDE, which is a certified diabetic educator. Um, So you can look me up there. See RDN, CDN Nutrition. Um, I did open an Instagram page. It's Rifka B, CDE basically posted once there but again maybe gila you can give me some of your uh your mojo some of your entrepreneurial uh energy and i can
0: uh, well i've been trying so here you are
1: <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. um and we're well, um, gonna find you now
0: because because people need a diabetes education so and you take insurance yeah. you're a gold mine. <laughs>
1: I take insurance, but it doesn't mean just because I take insurance that your specific plan I will take. So it's always best to contact me directly. I can help you find out whether, you know, your specific plan has um, benefits for me. Um, My email address is rifkabroyerrdn at gmail.com. Maybe you can link that.
0: Yeah, I will. I'll put it in the show notes. In
1: the show notes. And um, yeah, I would, I, I, like I said, I would love to get more people in. Again, we call... It's interesting, they just changed it. It used to be diabetics. Now it's pe- person with, with diabetes. Right. And the reason is, oh my... And the, and the reason is, is because the thing is, it doesn't define you. Right. Oh, sorry about that. No problem. <laughs> but, okay, Rivka, um, I'm
0: just gonna stop the recording. And no um, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm gonna link everything in the show notes. Okay, okay Rivka, this has been amazing. Seriously, I learned so much.
1: Thank you and so much, Gila, for having me. I love talking to
0: you. I know. We should do like a weekly diabetes thing, I think. That would be really cool. Like a
1: weekly. Entrepreneurial. What? For sure. I would love to do it. Too. Let's it's do a like QA. Me.
0: We'll do like Instagram Live.
1: Oh my God. Instagram live.
0: Yeah. People will post their diabetes questions and we will I'll moderate because I love to talk. Listen, you got to get out there. So everyone who's listening, who's starting a business, I'm sorry. You got to get out there. People have to know your name. People have to know you, like, and trust. And yeah, sorry.
1: You'll you'll help push me out there. Thank you so much, Gila. Okay. Thank you so
0: much. It was awesome. It was amazing. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, Please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.